You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Oh, man. Don't you guys love midweek? I absolutely love midweek. It's so incredible. If you're looking for me, I'm down here on the ground, okay? I see some of you looking straight over my head like, where's the voice coming from? Uh, My name is Sam. I'm a teaching pastor here at Kensington. And uh, I just, I absolutely love, love, love midweek. It's an opportunity for us to spend time with God. I love that Drew opened that way. We didn't even connect the dots on that, but that's so good. And you know, we've been, count- we've been calling midweek here at Orion Encounter since I've been here. I mean, the last two years, we've been calling it an encounter. And I got tangled up in a Facebook thread today. Anyone ever get tangled up in a Facebook thread before? Oh my gosh, guys, we're in church, okay? A little bit of honesty goes a long way, okay? Anybody ever get caught up in a face? I've seen some of you caught up in Facebook threads. A tussle, a t- an entanglement. No, uh, I got caught up in a Facebook thread, and I, it wasn't anything bad. But um, one of my friends, his name's Father Ken, Kenneth Tanner, he, he made a statement today that I thought was so powerful. I've never heard it put this way. And he talked about gathering as a faith community, and he, called, he, he talked about the power of being with God. And he called it loitering with God. And I was like, huh, I've never really thought about it that way. But that's exactly kind of what we do here at Midweek. And I think that's why I like it so much. We just kind of loiter with God. We kind of hang out. We kind of pause. We kind of rest. We're with God at these encounter nights. And I think that might be why it's one of my favorite things that we do here at Kensington. But here's the deal. Loitering with God, right? Spending time with God, hanging out with God, being with God should result in transformation. The automatic response of being with God, of encountering God, should be life change. It should be transformation. And I love that that Kensington as a whole, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, we've talked through sort of this process, right? We've talked through our mission statement in week one. You know, Brian talked about Jesus. And then in week two, we talked about this transformation piece that turns into mobilization. But the, the transformation piece has really been sort of resonating with me lately. This idea of transformation, of, of life change. And so I was thinking about it, and I was thinking, so what, uh, preparing for tonight, knowing I'm going to talk about transformation, I thought, what are some things that transform, right? How can we sort of define transformation? And I thought about a caterpillar, just a cute, fuzzy little caterpillar, right, crawling on the ground, and then it cocoons itself, and it comes out as what? This beautiful butterfly, right? Can you imagine? Just the transformation is so, so beautiful. I thought of another transformation that really came to mind, and um, I think it's a powerful transformation as well. You have Hootie and the Blowfish, and they transform into Darius Rucker, right? Like, holy smokes. It starts off with this, like, only want to be with you, right? Like, anyone? Yes? Okay, yeah. Starts off, and then, and then we get Wagon Wheel, and we're like, yeah, okay. I'm like singing that junk in my sleep. Okay? I mean, that's a transformation. I mean, uh, another example of transformation is some of you every day. And then you have coffee. And you transform from the monster you wake up as to the human that we all know and love. Right? Um, I was thinking of another transformation. Have you ever seen uh, those dudes with, like, those just big burly beards? And they're just, like, so awesome. And they got this, like, lumberjack chic thing going on. And you're like... 
Women are like, what a beautiful beard. Men are like, I wish I could grow a beard like that, right? And it just creates this big burly man with a big, nice, beautiful beard. And then they shave their beard and they instantly turn into the predator, right? <laughs> it's like there's a squid on their face. Have you ever experienced that transformation before? You're like, what happened, man? Whoa, right? Or, I mean, it's not just the dudes, right? I mean, like, <laughs> let's be honest, you know, we see women that wear makeup all the time, and you see them without, and you're like, is that the same person? Is, is that Sister Sue? I could, she looks like Sister Sue. She arrived with her husband, Brother Don, but is that Sister Sue? Uh, uh, you know, right? Just tr transfer, should I move on from that? I didn't check that one with my wife before I said it, so... Uh, uh, another transfer, seeds, right? Seeds into plants, into food, all of that, right? It's, it's this idea of transformation. Well, in Scripture, it, in the Bible, it talks about two people that have an encounter with Jesus, and they have this opportunity to experience transformation, but they respond two very, very different ways. The first one is the story of this guy that the Bible calls the rich young ruler, and you may have heard of the rich young ruler, right? Jesus is teaching at this point in scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 19. This is after the Sermon on the Mount. This is, Jesus is doing miracles and he's healing people and he's teaching in the synagogues and teaching on the mountainsides and his reputation is growing and he's teaching, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand and he's talking about eternal life and salvation and all these different things and following the way of Jesus. And so this rich young ruler approaches Jesus as he's teaching and many scholars believe that the rich young ruler is actually part of the Sanhedrin. So the Sanhedrin is a council of anywhere from 23 to 71 elders that are elected for a specific region. And so they believe that this guy has sort of risen through the ranks, and the Sanhedrin essentially is like the moral police, okay? They're like the, the officials that you bring your problems to, and they kind of rule and preside over a certain area, upholding the Torah, upholding the law, upholding, you know, the religious beliefs and all of this. And so the idea is that the rich young ruler, young guy, has risen through the ranks of power and authority and, and of finances and all the deal, and he's got this, like, he's got all the things. So you got this rich guy that comes to Jesus. And he comes to Jesus after one of his teachings, and he says, hey, Jesus, what do I have to do to get what you're talking about? What do I have to do to experience eternal life? What do I have to do to have salvation? Like, the things that you're teaching, what do I got to do to get that? And so Jesus takes time for this guy, and he talks to him and he says, all right, so here's the deal. He comes back at him with like, he quotes sort of like seven of the 10 commandments, you know? He's like, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. He's like, you know, love your neighbor as yourself, comes at him with all these things. And so the rich young ruler is sitting there standing across from Jesus, this encounter with Jesus. And Jesus is giving him this info and he's going, okay, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, I do that. Okay, cool, that box is, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, well, huh. And he gets thinking, he's like, look, I, I do all of that. Yeah, so he comes back to Jesus, and he's like, yeah, I've been doing those things. Those are the boxes that I've been checking. So I, but, but there has to be more. He comes at Jesus and pushes a little harder, and he says, there's got to be more to it than just what you're telling me right now. And so Jesus goes, oh, okay, like, you really want to do this. And so he comes back to him, and he says, here's what you need to do. Remember, Sanhedrin, rich, young, authority, you know, reputation, the whole deal. He says, here's what you need to do. You need to give away everything you have. You need to sell everything you have and give all the money to the poor. And then you need to come follow me. You need to walk away from all the social status you've gained, all the power, all the authority, all the reputation. You need to leave it all. And you need to come follow me. And the rich young ruler's sitting there. Can you imagine hearing that? Because so far, so good. Jesus said, do this, do this, do this. He's like, yes, 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 yes. That's me, that's me, that's me, that's me, that's me. 
says, okay, but here's the deal. Is your heart transformed is essentially what Jesus is saying. See, I see you checking the boxes, but are you really to change who you are from the inside out? Are you ready to shift the trajectory of your life because the trajectory of your heart has changed? And it's the scriptures say that the rich young ruler was like, nah, man, I'm not that guy. Like, that's not me. I, I can't. I can't do that. And the scripture says that it was, he was burdened and he was heavily saddened, deeply saddened. And he walked away unchanged, unwilling to transform. He encountered Jesus, but his heart was hardened. He wasn't willing to shift and change and shape the way that he lives after the patterns that Jesus was calling him to. And then you have another rich guy in the, in the Bible who also encounters Jesus. This guy's name was Zacchaeus, and his story is found in Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. And many of you may have heard the story of Zacchaeus if you grew up in kids' church or whatever. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Huh? He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Anyone? Lord, he wanted to see. Anyone hear that song before? A few of you? Okay. Zacchaeus, you come down, because I'm going to your house today. Because I'm going to your house today. It, it's, it's a kids' church song, but it tells the story of Zacchaeus, right? Found in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. So Zacchaeus, also another rich guy in scripture, he was a chief tax collector. So the way that tax collectors worked is that the Roman, the Roman Empire um, was in charge and they were sort of oppressing the Hebrews, the Jewish people. And so the Roman Empire would take some of the Jewish people and use them as the tax collectors amongst their own people. And so not only was, was Zacchaeus a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector, meaning he probably had a bunch of minion tax collectors that were doing their thing and then reporting to him, and then he was reporting to the Roman Empire. Now, this is a weird position because the Roman Empire still viewed you as the oppressed, still viewed you as a Hebrew, so you didn't really fit in there. But then the Hebrew people, they viewed you as a traitor. Like, whoa, way, hey, you're like, you're, you're, the, you're partnering with the man who's keeping us down, right? And that was sort of... The, the, the vibe there. And so what would happen with these tax collectors oftentimes is say your taxes are like 10 bucks a month, they'll charge you, don't we wish, right? Can I get an amen on that? Say your taxes were like 10 bucks a month, right? The tax collector would come and charge you 12 bucks a month, keep the extra two and then give the 10 to the empire. So they're skimming off the top to line their own pockets to become wealthy and rich. So this dude was just like hated. And so Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He heard that Jesus was coming and Jesus was just passing through Jerusalem. Scriptures don't indicate that he had any business to be in Jerusalem. So him and his crew, his posse, his disciples, um, they're all kind of following him. And for some reason, whenever I picture Jesus doing this, I have no idea why this story specifically, I, am, I, I picture them as like a step crew going through Jerusalem, right? They're like, mm, 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 like all in, in rhythm. Anyone else view it that way when they hear this story? I will. You will now, okay. You will now, and you won't forget. You're like, yeah, that is how, that probably is how they were walking. Peter's right behind you, let's go, boys, right? Like, I don't know. Anyway, they're, they're, he's passing through Jerusalem, and Zacchaeus has heard of Jesus, heard of his ministry, heard of the miracles, heard of all the things that are happening, and wanted to see Jesus. But since he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, he went ahead, and he climbed up in a sycamore tree. So he goes ahead, and he climbs up in a tree because he wants to get a vantage point of Jesus. He's like, I got to see this guy. I gotta figure out what this guy's all about. I've heard about him. I've heard the things that he's doing. I've heard all the hoopla and all the, all the craziness around it. I gotta, I gotta encounter this guy. I gotta see this guy. So he goes up, climbs up in a tree, and then here comes Jesus in his posse, right? Mm, 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 walking through Jerusalem. And when they become even with Zacchaeus, who's hanging out in a tree, a grown man hanging out in a tree, right? Jesus stops and he looks over at him. Can you imagine that moment when you make eye contact with Jesus? 
Because I'm pretty sure Zacchaeus was the only dude up in that tree, if I, if I had to guess, right? If I had to guess. And so Jesus looks over and he makes eye contact with Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is like, and Jesus looks over and he goes, Zacchaeus, can you imagine? You're like, you're hanging from the tree. You're like, me? He's like, yeah, you. He's like, come on down, dude. We're going to go to your house and get lunch. What? I was just trying to get a glimpse of this guy. I was just trying to see what was going on. And he's coming to my house? I mean, when we have like small group or something at our house, we clean for like six days leading up to it. So can you imagine the panic that rushed over Zacchaeus? He's like, did I clean the toilet in the last, I don't know, 10 years, right? And so Jesus goes to his house for lunch and all the religious people, everybody in the town, they're like, oh, I can't believe Jesus is doing that. Hanging out with the tax collector, right? Everybody's throwing all this shade and all this judgment at Jesus and at Zacchaeus and all this. But Zacchaeus has an encounter with Jesus, a lot like the rich young ruler. And at the end of that lunch, at the end of the time that they spend together, Zacchaeus stands up and he makes this declaration. He stands up and goes, oh my gosh, ah, wow, after spending time with you, holy smokes, he had an encounter with Jesus and allowed it to permeate the innermost depths of his soul. He stands up and he goes, dude, listen, here's the deal. I'm taking everything I have and giving, I'm giving half of what I have to the poor, just giving it all back. And anybody that I've taken advantage of, that I've skimmed, you know, that $2 a month he's been taking for years, anybody that I've skimmed off the top of, I'm paying them all back. And not only am I paying them back, I'm paying them back four times the amount that I cheated them. His heart was gripped by his encounter with Jesus. And as a result, there was this transformation that took place. This transformation that said, I can't continue to live the way that I was living. I can't continue to go about doing life the way I was going about doing life. Everything is different now. Everything is shifted. Everything is changed. I got to give this stuff back. I got to change the trajectory of my life. It's completely different than the rich young ruler. See, the rich young ruler was going through and checking boxes. So modern day, this would be like, am I checking all the boxes, right? Am I going to Kensington on Sundays? Check. Am I serving at the hub once a month? Check. Am I part of a group? Check. Right? Am I helping with the move out network? Check. Did I go on a short-term missions trip with Global? Check. Checking all the boxes, doing all the things. And we come to Jesus, and Jesus says, well, are you doing all these things? We say, yeah, 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 yeah. And he says, well, how about life change? Are you changing the way you're making your decisions? Are you changing the way that you're running your business? Are you changing the way you're interacting with your family? Are you changing the way you're interacting with your coworkers? Are you changing the way that you're engaging the world around you? Are you changing the way you're getting entangled on Facebook comments? Right? He says, are you doing those things? Are you willing to give up what you're holding so dear to follow Jesus? Are you experiencing transformation? And so the question becomes, how do we experience transformation like Zacchaeus and not walk through life checking boxes like the rich young ruler? How do we achieve that? And so in that, I came across a quote by Dallas Willard, who is one of the great theologians of our time. And he says this. He says, this is how you practice discipleship. This is how you experience transformation. It says, learning to be, how to be with Jesus to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus. How do we experience transformation? Well, you have to spend time with Jesus. And you have to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus. You see, the invitation is not just to come meet Jesus. The invitation is not solely just to come see Jesus. The invitation is to follow Jesus. The invitation is to allow Jesus to change who you are from the inside out. The invitation is to be with Jesus so you can learn from Jesus 
how to be like Jesus. I came across this other quote, man. We're going through a, a book study as, as some of the guys from all the different campuses at our staff, uh, on our staff here at Kensington. Uh, we call it the Theobrogians. Come on, that's good. That's good. That's good. Theobrogians. You're jealous you didn't think of it first. And so we're going through this book uh, that we're calling Repenting of Religion by Greg Boyd. And there's a quote from that book that we talked about this past week that I think is so, so huge for us tonight. It says, his concern, Jesus' concern was not about bringing clarity to ambiguous ethical, religious, or political dilemmas, but to provide people with a relationship with God that would transform their perspective on all ambiguous dilemmas and on all of life. Jesus' dominant concern was to call us to surrender ourselves completely to him and to walk in obedience to his spirit within us. That's what transformation is. It's not about having the right answers and checking the right boxes and, and, and saying the right things on Facebook and having the right stances on things. No, no, no. It's inner transformation so that we see the world through the lens of Jesus. We spend time with Jesus, learning from Jesus how to be like Jesus. That's transformation. That's the life that we're called to live. See, there was this guy who came to my church uh, before I came here to Kensington, there was this guy, his name was Jerry. And Jerry was just, oh gosh, he was a mountain of a man. I mean, a massive dude. He's a plumber and his hands are as big as my torso. Just a massive, massive dude, right? Huge, like he used to run in like motorcycle gangs. His dad was like a Harley biker guy and he used to run security for like Kid Rock and Uncle Cracker and all that stuff. Like he was, he's a bruiser of a bruiser kind of guy, right? And so he came waltzing into our church and he was wearing one of those Peaky Blinders hats. You know what I'm talking about? Like the, any of you watch Peaky Blinders? Don't raise your hand, you're in church. Come on, y'all, I'm just kidding. But you know, like the newsies, like the newsboys, you know, those old like hats like that. He was wearing one of those with a giant like Guinness patch on it and he comes barreling into my church and, and he walks in and he made it known that he was there because his wife made him come. He let me know that frequently, right? And Jerry comes in, he's this hardened individual. And he comes in and he starts hanging out. He starts being with Jesus. And he begins to start to kind of learn from Jesus, to be like Jesus. And over a period of time, I mean, this is back in 2012. Actually, a few weekends ago, he came here for Good Friday and Easter weekend. And this big, burly, like massive uh, human being who could like break me in half shows up grinning ear to ear with these little chocolate crosses for my kids. And just like a giant teddy bear, could not wait to give my kids these little chocolate crosses from Sanders. And he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And he actually came over, my hot water heater busted this week. That sucks. But Jerry came over and he helped me fix it. And the first thing he asked is, hey, how'd the kids like those crosses, man? Weren't those cool? Weren't those good? Jerry is a giant teddy bear. Jerry has opened up the windows like we just sang and he let the light in. And as he did that, he continually experienced transformation. And now Jerry is a completely different person now than that mountain of a man all, all tied up in knots that showed up in 2012. For some of us, it, it's a process. And so maybe you're in here tonight and maybe this is your first time, maybe somebody invited you to come to midweek and you're just kind of kicking the tires and okay, let me see what this whole Jesus thing is about, and if that's you, listen, I, I just want you to know, the invitation is not just to come see. 
The invitation is not to just come, you know, check it out. Yeah, at first, cool. But ultimately, the invitation is to follow. Ultimately, the invitation is to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus how to be like Jesus. Maybe some of us in here tonight, we're realizing that maybe we've just kind of been going through checking the boxes. Oh, went to church, check. Went to midweek, check. You know, gave some tithes and offering, check. Served in kids' church once or twice. That was horrible, check. Right? Maybe we're going through kids' church, and or not through kids' church, maybe we're going through and checking all the boxes, but we're not really allowing it to bring transformation to our hearts, which produces transformation in our lives. Again, the invitation is not just to come see. The invitation is to follow, to be with Jesus, to learn from Jesus, how to be like Jesus. Some of us in here tonight, we're in that process. We're in the process and it's hard. It's tough sometimes. We're spending time with Jesus. We're learning from Jesus. Sometimes it's hard to be like Jesus. But I wanna encourage you to keep on keeping on. I wanna encourage you to continue to be with Jesus. Continue to pursue transformation. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.